Brilliant. It's so important that we keep encouraging one another. I can't stress this enough. This isn't a gimmick. This isn't just a clever little thing from the Bible. The Bible is rich and full of encourage one another. It says four times, at least in the New Testament, encourage one another. The only other thing it says more than encourage one another is love one another. And I think actually it's when we start to encourage one another that actually we're expressing true biblical love. So I just want to encourage a few, and uh, there will be some word of God, but as I said to you yesterday, I prepared a totally different message uh, for this morning. It's a good one, and I'll use it another time when I come and visit you if you invite me back again. Um, But this is kind of literally scratched together yesterday morning, this morning, uh, a few notes I've scribbled down, but just a, a few things on encouragement that I feel is kind of hot. So it might not be the best prepared meal, but it is fresh. It's like it's, it's a, so if you're from Fusion, would you stand please, if you're part of the Fusion group? One of the things that has been coming very strongly this weekend is that how much God loves you guys and how much he's on you guys. And I love what you said, or you said, or somebody said about the Fusion guys leading their own meetings and yeah, there wasn't a meeting, so you kind of took it on yourselves to lead. And I feel that that's going to be a mark of you guys. There's going to be leaders raised up amongst you who are going to lead in this church, who are going to help plant other churches. Some of you are going to go to the nations, and some of you are going to have massively leading jobs in the community. And so much of what you do over the next 50 or 60 years is because of what's happening these years. God's implanting and putting stuff in you for the next season. But it's not, oh, I'll wait till I lead until I'm in my 20s or 30s or 40s or whatever. God calls you leaders now and wants to impart something. And God's going to put something in you of a fresh passion of the Holy Spirit. I see almost like a fresh renewal or revival or a stirring of the Holy Spirit amongst young people in Sheffield. And don't be afraid And I say this with real respect as a leader and to my leaders, honouring my leaders. Don't be afraid to step out and lead. Don't be afraid to say, no, we'd like to do this. We'd like to do something new. Don't wait for your leaders to initiate everything. It's great that leaders do initiate things. And the Bible says when leaders initiate things, we should follow them. But actually, it's important that you understand that God's putting leadership on you guys. And actually, you're going to be initiating a whole load of stuff. And actually, in a funny sort of way, your leaders will be following that. Now, sometimes your leaders will say, that's crazy, no, and you've got to submit to that. But I think most of the time, as a leader, if young people come to me and say, we want to do this, I will go, yeah, go for it. You go for it. You lead into that. All right? Because the Spirit of God is on you guys. Now, why don't just everyone raise their hands towards them. If you're near them, just put your hands on them appropriately. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing amongst these young guys and girls. Lord, I thank you for fusion, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that it's so obvious to Anne and I coming in this weekend that there's a movement amongst these young people. Lord, that there is something of the Spirit of God upon them. There's leadership, there's authority, there's vibrancy, there's something of the Spirit of God stirring in their hearts, which I believe is going to lead to many more young people going to be added, many more young people going to be witnessed to, many more young people going to be healed. I see something happening on the streets, I see something happening in your schools and colleges. Lord, I pray for it. Lord, let the revival power of the Holy Spirit be on them, fill them powerfully, Lord. And I pray for 
leadership to emerge, Lord. We thank you that we can so obviously see leadership on these young people. And I pray, Lord, let there be such an encouragement amongst this church here in City Church Sheffield, such an atmosphere, such a contagion, that they can't help but step into leadership. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are from another nation, if you weren't either born in the United Kingdom or your heritage isn't in the United Kingdom, you may have been born in the United Kingdom, but you may, your heritage is really from another nation originally, I wonder whether you'd stand as well. And maybe there needs to be some translation going on as well for the Canadians. They're a bit slow. No, they're not. <laughs> I love the Somebody told me, don't encourage the Canadians. Please don't encourage the kids. They don't need any encouragement. They are just so full of life and so full of encouragement. They're just right on track. And then I met these two wonderful young ladies and thought, wow, they really are encouraging. (laughs) I believe God is doing something amongst you about the nations. And you need to open your eyes to it. And what I saw is like bridges or roads or highways. I can't see what it seemed like a... Like from Sheffield, massive highways, massive uh, people movement areas going out and people coming to you, but also people coming from you as well and going to the nations. And God is gathering the nations to you for several purposes. One is to make you more multicultural, to make you more aware of what his plan and his heart is. And if you're from a different nation, you're carrying something very special. God loves the nations. He scattered his people into the nations and formed the nations. And has put, I think it was G.K. Chesterton said, it's like a, 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 a fragile doll which was smashed and it went to the nations. But in Christ, God is bringing this doll, this China doll, back together. And we need every piece from every nation to make the doll complete. And you're carrying something unique from your nation. Don't think that you've got to become British in that sense. I mean, you might become that legally, but don't think you've got to take on all that there is about Britain. You bring something very unique from your particular nation, from your particular culture, and we need that in Britain. We'll be British, and we'll stand up for Britain in that sense and bring all our Britishness to the party, but you bring all your Indianness and all your Africanness and all your... All your Canadianness and all your Middle Easternness and all your Iranianness and all whatever other nations have I missed. That all your Dutchness. <laughs> Very correct. You're not much if you, was it you're not much if you're not Dutch or something. I don't know what it is, but that's what they say in Canada, don't they? They, <laughs> they do. There's so many Dutch in Canada. So, anyway, what other nations have I missed? Peru, Peru Spain, Iraq, Uganda. Syria, Nigeria, wonderful. Look, it's great, isn't it? All the nations gathering together. But you've got to understand that one is to make you a model of heaven on earth, God's new community, God's new humanity, from every tribe, language, tongue and nation. He's gathered them together to make one new man in Christ. But also, this is a gathering point. It's like a boot camp. It's like a gathering in, a training or equipping in order that we might go to the nations. And from this church, many nations are going to be opened up. Now, what's happened is you guys have served so well where other people have built highways. So I think in the past in India, 
I think now in Canada, it's wonderful what God's doing, but actually I think there are new highways to be built from this church to the nations. There are new things that God wants to open up, particularly and uniquely from City Church Sheffield. And, you know, I think there is something about the Indian subcontinent that God wants to touch. There is something about the, what's happening in the Middle East. That God wants to do something uniquely here. We've got some highways in New Frontiers and Christ-centered churches already, but God wants to open up some new highways, some new bridges from this church. So I want you guys to particularly open your eyes to the nations. The trouble is with some of us in Middle England, some of us who come from... Uh, who've been born in this country, we sometimes can be a little bit blinkered to what God's doing in the world. And our politicians almost always want to make us very focused in on ourselves and exclusive. And, but actually, God wants to include the nations, and God wants us to be a safe place for the nations and a sending place to the nations. So again, this is the only other thing we're going to do. Just reach out your hands towards them. Lord, I want to pray that you'd open doors to the nations. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing, Lord, across the nations. I thank you for people from the Middle East and Syria and Iran coming here, Lord. I thank you for the blessing that is. Lord, what other people would say is not a blessing. We declare it's the blessing of the Lord that these people are being joined to us and added to us. Lord, we thank you for the uniqueness of what you're doing in India, Lord, through Blessand. Lord, I pray, open that up more and more. Lord, I pray, make a highway for that more and more. And we pray for these other nations. We thank you for the routes you've already given us into Europe, into Africa, into the Americas, Lord. We thank you and we bless what you're doing. And I pray, Lord, from City Church Sheffield, open up highways, open up motorways, open up bridges, open up uh, transport links, open up airway maps, Lord, into the nations, we pray in Jesus' name. Lord, we want to glorify you, Lord Jesus, in the nations. You're the Lord of the nations. And one day in heaven and earth, all nations will be represented. We thank you for that wonderful privilege in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. See, I think the longer I go on like this, the less I have to preach. (laughs) But I have got some notes scribbled down here. There's an old fable. It's not in the Bible. And uh, I'm I'm not uh, sure the elders would particularly appreciate me preaching out of a fable. But there is an old fable that Satan, the enemy, was one day parading his weapons in front of people and just showing off really. And, you know, this is the one I use in lust and this is the one I use in greed and this is the one I use in materialism and this is the one I use in division. And uh, there was one last weapon that was paraded. It was a, a worn weapon. It was an old weapon. It didn't look particularly sharp or exciting, but it was the most worn one amongst them. And somebody said, what is that weapon? He said, that is the weapon that I use the most. It's the weapon of discouragement. And actually, I believe that is the enemy's ploy. It's the enemy's strategy to discourage the people of God. And he comes and he whispers discouragement to you all the time. At least, if you're anything like me, he whispers discouragement to you all the time. And people think that leaders don't need encouragement. The truth is, every single one of us as Christians needs encouragement. Otherwise, the word of God wouldn't say four times in the New Testament, encourage one another. Let me read two of them to you. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another 
and build each other up. In fact, that's what the word encouragement means. We'll come on to that in a moment. I love what Chris Marriott, where's Chris? Are you still in here? Yeah, there you are, right at the back. Doesn't usually sit at the back, does he, Chris? You're normally uh, a pillar in the house of the Lord at the front. But it's good to see you, Chris. And I love what Chris brought to us yesterday about the coals. It was you, Chris, wasn't it? About that. About the coals and needing to be together in the fire. Because actually, if you take a coal, an old-fashioned coal, nobody has coal. Well, very few people have coal fires these days. Wooden fires, I guess, are more uh, kind of trendy. But old-fashioned coal, if you take a coal out of the fire, even if it's burning, and leave it on the hearth, well, one, it will set the house alight, but don't do that. So it actually tends to go out quite quickly. It tends to go quite dark and black quite quickly because God has designed coals to be in a fire together and to get heat from one another. And Chris was encouraging us to be in the fire, not to be absent from the body. And this is a massive one in terms of encouragement. Hebrews 10, verse 25, it says this, Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. It's so important that, dear friends, that we're in the body of Christ, that we're together with the saints, that we are in his body together. I love the prophetic word this morning. It kept coming quite strongly about this blanket of God, this sense that we're included in the body, this sense that it's when we're in the gathered community that we get the cloaking of the Spirit, we get the gathering of the Spirit, we get the sense of God's Spirit on us. We live in a day of individualism. You know, if you put I in front of anything, it will sell much better. You know, I, pod, I, there's an, an I car now being developed. I don't know if anyone saw that this week. I thought, wow, I want that, an I car. I have no idea what it's going to be, but just because it's got an I in front of it, it's going to be brilliant. But I, me, in front of anything is not good in the kingdom of God. And we're not supposed to be individualistic. We're not supposed to be separate, isolated. We find our true identity. We find who we are in Christ in the body of Christ. And we find God's love in the body of Christ. We find one another in the body of Christ. We find protection and this cloaking of the Spirit in the body of Christ. And it's this where we get encouragement. It's in the body of Christ. So I know you've come, I'm kind of preaching to the choir this morning, preaching to converted, because you've come away for a weekend, therefore you're pretty committed. But I want to encourage you, keep meeting together. Keep having your fantastic prayer meetings on a Friday night. I'm so often on a Friday night, Anne and I said, should we drive to Sheffield? We, we, we must do it, actually, because it's like God meets you on a Friday night in your prayer meetings. It's a real sense. And actually, I think young people, guys from Fusion, that prayer meeting is going to be a real engine for you, a real sense of you gathering to something, seeing something, and actually new things spinning off from that prayer meeting. So don't miss that prayer meeting. It's where we get encouragement, and it defeats this discouragement that comes from the enemy. Now, what does the word encouragement mean? I, I've looked it up. You can look these things up these days. Very easy. The word encouragement has two root meanings. The first one is this. To edify or to build up or to put courage in. Encouragement. Put courage in. To build up. The second one is to come alongside someone and do that. To Be their encourager. In fact, it's the Holy Spirit, we find out in John chapter 14, who is the great comforter, the great helper. The word there is the same one, the great encourager, the paraclete, who not the parrot for those pirates, just to let you know, but the paraclete who comes alongside 
and encourages and put fortification in. And it's part of God's character. This should be no surprise to us that our God is the encouraging God. He's not the legalistic God with a clipboard, tut, 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 you've done it wrong. He's the God of grace and he's the God of encouragement. And actually God wants to encourage us today. God wants to put courage and fortification. God wants to put his grace to build us up, to come alongside. Let me give you a couple of verses to demonstrate this. Romans 15 verse 5. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement. Isn't that great? He gives you endurance, run the race, fortifies you, but encourages you as well. May the God who gives you endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity amongst yourselves as you follow Jesus Christ. Isn't that interesting that it's about one anothering in the body of Christ? Unity. How do we get unity? Well, the God of encouragement and the God of endurance will give you a spirit of unity as we're together. God does that. It's his heart and his purpose. And I love this one in 2 Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17. May the Lord Jesus Christ and the God of our Father, notice this is Trinitarian, may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and the God of our Father, who loved us and by his grace has given us internal, no, not internal, eternal (laughs) encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good word and deed. It's a bit long-winded, I'll read it again. May the Lord Jesus Christ himself and the God, our Father, who loved us and by his grace has given us eternal encouragement and good hope. What's this God going to do? He's going to encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. And as it said in John, or I quoted earlier, John 16 verse, sorry, John 14 verse 16. Jesus said, I'm going, but I'm going to give you another one just like me, just like my character. And this one, he said, is going to be a comforter. The same word is encourager or counsellor. Depends which version you use. It's the same word. John 14, 16. I'll give you another comforter, encourager, counsellor to be with you forever. This is the Trinitarian God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, who brings encouragement to his people and wants to fortify you, wants to build you up with encouragement. Doesn't it feel like you get built up when somebody encourages you? Doesn't it feel like something literally is built up inside you? And also, like, it was like the Oscars, wasn't it? Oh, to thank my mum and my dad. No, it wasn't. Well, it was lovely. It was good. What was your name? Kirsten was great. She was absolutely wonderful. She led the way. But, but didn't, didn't you notice how encouraged you felt as you encouraged somebody else? I could feel it next to you. You were getting all emotional, all built up inside. Actually, as you encourage others. This is not a one-way street. As we encourage and put strength and fortify and comfort and come alongside others, actually, we get encouraged in that process as well. Now, it's also worth saying that encouragement is a gift of the Holy Spirit. So there are some people amongst us, it's a little bit like prophecy. The Bible says all may prophesy, one by one that you might be built up. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 14, all may prophesy. And if you've never prophesied before, you may prophesy. But it says some are given the gift of prophecy. It's the same with encouragement. Encourage one another, it says. Encourage, everyone should be encouraging, but there are some men and women who particularly have the gift of encouragement. 
Some, it's like it particularly dwells within them. And I think particularly those who kind of came forward and those, you, you can see it in them. You can say, this is a gift. And I think we despise it, actually. I don't think we think it's that important. I think we think it's not as important as prophecy. I think we think it's not as important as miracles or not as important as signs and wonders. It's not as important as words of knowledge. Actually, we mustn't devalue the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says it in his word. It says this in Romans 12, 8. If your gift is encouraging, let him encourage. So that's if your spiritual gift is encouraging, encourage. It's pretty easy. So if your gift is prophecy, prophesy. If your gift is leadership, lead. If your gift is encouraging, encourage. Do it. You have biblical permission to go around encouraging left, right and centre. Keep going. Keep developing and keep putting in this gift. Now, interesting enough, notice how I equated it with prophecy and said, oh, most people don't think it's as important as prophecy. And actually, if you really drill down to people, especially in our movement, we do over-honour the gift of prophecy in that sense. Or I don't think we over-honour it. I just think we under-honour the other gifts. So perhaps we've got prophecy in its right place, but other gifts are not as good as prophecy. All the gifts of the Spirit are important. All the gifts of the Spirit are needed to build the body of Christ up. He wouldn't give a gift if it wasn't for a purpose and we didn't need it. However, you need to know that even prophecy itself is primarily a gift of encouragement. Because it says that, I read it this morning, it says that in 1 Corinthians um, Chapter 14, verse 3, it talks about prophecy. What's prophecy for? It's for strengthening, encouraging, and comforting. That's what prophecy does. And if you receive a prophecy that doesn't strengthen, encourage, or comfort, it's not a prophecy. Because actually, encouragement is right in the heart of the prophetic. And when we prophesy over one another, it should build us up. It should edify us. It should encourage us and put courage right into us. So how do we encourage one another? I just want to be really practical about this. Well, firstly, like we've done today, this weekend, when they've encouraged us. When someone's encouraged you, encourage them. When someone's been a blessing to you, be a blessing back to them. We are so British he says to those who didn't stand, who sat. And we kind of assume that people are encouraged, but we shouldn't, because we aren't, we aren't always encouraged. We actually need encouragement. It's a gift of the Spirit. So encourage people when they've encouraged us. Encourage people when they are a blessing. Okay, when somebody has stepped out and done something, when somebody has blessed you, when somebody is a blessing, when somebody is succeeding in something and pressing in to something, encourage them. Now, we need a new definition of success because success isn't always as the world defines it. Success sometimes could be standing up and falling over. The Bible says a righteous man falls over seven times yet rises again. And we need, it's like children walking. Have you ever noticed kids, children, whoever, listen, listen to this. Whoever got right up and walked straight away. Whoever, which child ever did that? Which child was crawling, got up and then just walked? No children do that, do they? What do children do? They get up and fall over. That's what kids do. And we don't go, you stupid child. Slap, slap, slap. Never fall over. I don't want you to fall over again. Don't fall over. 
No, we don't. We go, oh, isn't they, aren't they sweet? Oh, they're lovely. They've fallen over. But they walked. They, they didn't walk. You stood them up and they fell over. But, you know, parent, parents are amazing, aren't they? they? Little Johnny walked. No, he didn't. You know, he got a momentum took over and, you know, he went like that. Oh, he took his first step. And it's so encouraging. Well, now that's what kids need to do that. Because actually kids learn that if they put their foot out and do that, mum and dad say, well done. That's great. Take another step. Fall over. Listen, we will fall over in the Christian Christian life thousands of times. If we're stepping out in God, we'll get it wrong. Encourage one another. Say to one another, well done, when people step out. If we don't, I believe we're robbing people of that. We're robbing them of them hearing, well done. We need to be encouraging one another. I mean, do be honest. Don't encourage them if it was absolutely awful. Um, you know, I, I want you to be slightly, you know, please be, do be on. But ask God to give you one thing that you can say. It was great that you knew when to stop. <laughs> <laughs> it was great when you finished the notices, Rich. You know, I mean, you know, say something encouraging to him. No, seriously, we, we, there's always something encouraging we can say. Be honest. Be specific. Don't be patronising, don't be sloppy, don't be sentimental. I play a little game sometimes, which I'm a bit naughty. If somebody, because as preachers, we are so blessed. Really? That's not a joke. (laughs) Don't mind my wife laughed. But as preachers, we are so blessed because I get more encouragement on one Sunday than the average Christian gets in a year. We are so blessed, all right? Now, that's not a reason to not encourage us. Well, they get enough encouragement. But we get. But sometimes I play this little game. Somebody will come up to me and say, you know, nice sermon, Vicar, although they don't say it in a charismatic way. They'll say, oh, wonderful word, Jeremy. And I'll say, what, in what way was it wonderful? <laughs> I'll say, what particularly blessed you? Because I actually want to know, and I don't like blanket encouragement. I don't like you're wonderful, you're lovely, you're awesome. I want to know what particularly God was saying to you through that, because I want to learn and to encourage myself in my gift and hone that and it's important that we are specific and I loved some of those encouragements that you guys did earlier particularly this young man right here right now because you were so specific in your encouraging you know even when I'm you know I've been taking the tablets and I haven't been you you were very specific and you were very specific about your other son because I'm assuming this is all one family here Uh, embarrassingly specific and you know this cool young dude in the end was hugging you which was quite impressive and you know it be specific about your encouragement now some people say this and I've heard this said to me because I think I've got a bit of a gift of encouragement I think it's one of the normally if I do these leadership profile you know these tests you do you know these personality profile things you all different grid references you can come up with but usually I come up with leadership and encouragement or exhortation as the second one But actually, people say, I've heard people say this, you can encourage people too much. Oh, don't over-encourage. It's such a British thing. Yeah, we're so glass half empty. These Canadians are so, there is a glass, wow. You know, it's like, (laughs) a glass, you know. (laughs) um, They're just, um, they're just... They're just wonderful. I love the Canadian. I love that's one of the reasons I love working with Canadians because you know, if you walk down a street in Canada and tread on someone's toe, they apologise to you. It's great. They are, they're so full of full of everything's positive in Canada, which is absolutely wonderful. But as British, sometimes we can say, oh, "Don't, don't." I've heard this. People say, "Don't encourage." They'll get proud. That is the last thing we're likely to fail in. More often than not. 
And I say this as a preacher, somebody who's regularly in front of people, regularly exercising gifts publicly. More often than not, we are discouraged when we have led worship or when we've brought the notices. <laughs> Poor Rich, we'll pray for him later. Or, or when we've preached. More often than not, I'm discouraged because more often than not, the first word that I hear in my ear is not the Lord Jesus saying, well done, good and faithful servant. More often, and I confess this before you, the first word I hear in my ear is, you didn't do very well today. They'd have rather had Terry Virgo. They'd have rather had this. And yeah, I know that's true. But you know, they're, but they're, they're slightly disappointed in you. you. You didn't really come up to their... And I hear those voices. That's the enemy. This is his well-worn weapon that he uses, discouragement. And I hear those voices. And yes, of course, I take every thought captive to Christ. Of course, I say that's true. But it doesn't have strength in you when somebody else comes and agrees with you and says, no, that was good. God was with you. Please encourage one another. That verse I quoted, let me re-quote it to you because I only half quoted it. Hebrews 3, 13. I came across this a few years ago and it really revolutionised my idea of encouragement. I just read it in my quiet time. And you know one of those times when you read a verse of scripture and it comes alive like you've never seen it before? I'm convinced God used to put new verses in just for me. But I think it was there before. But it's like it leapt out. Hebrews 3, 13. And it's kind of funny but it's true, encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today. So is it today? Today. Yes, Jeremy. Yes, the writer of the Hebrews would say. Well, don't put it off till tomorrow, you naughty people who put your hand up and I had to get you on stage. <laughs> you rebellious, disobedient. No, 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 it's fine. It, I, I knew that in a setting like this, there'd be lots of us who hadn't done that. But don't put it off, please. If you haven't completed your list of three, don't wait till next week. Because the person who needs that encouragement can't wait till next week. Because they're going to face some difficulties tomorrow and they're going to need your fortification. They're going to need to be built up in their most holy faith. They're going to need the body of Christ around them. It says, encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, which is quite funny, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Isn't that interesting? I think it's when we don't encourage one another we're more susceptible to sin, not when we encourage one another. We're not likely to get proud. We're more likely to get disappointed. We're more likely to get discouraged. We're more likely to have sin's sin's deceitfulness trick us and the enemy push us down and for us not to realise who we are in God. And I think encouragement cuts right through condemnation. Encouragement is one of God's best gifts, not one of the worst. You know, it's not a lower gift. It's a wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. Last thing for me to say is this. Well, not necessarily the last thing, but maybe. <laughs> I've not really looked at these notes. <laughs> How do you encourage one another? Yeah, when you're doing well. Let me also say, I think we should encourage one another more in times of difficulty, in times of trouble. It says this in 1 Thessalonians 5.14, read this this morning. It says, encourage the faint-hearted or timid and help the weak. So when you're faint-hearted, when you're timid, when you're weak, when you feel your weakness, when you feel your frailty, that's when you need encouragement all the more. I read this quote on Tinternet. It says this. That's what they call it in Yorkshire, isn't it? Tinternet. (laughs) The World Wide Web Sphere. I read this. It says this. A word of encouragement during a failure is worth more 
than an hour of praise after success. A word of encouragement after failure. After we didn't do it so well. After a mistake. After a trip up. Dare I say, even after a sin. We're not encouraging the sin, but we're putting courage back into the person. A word of encouragement after failure is better than an hour of praise after success. I want to ask you, how good are we at that church? I think sometimes we tut-tut, sometimes we kind of like separate off, sometimes we don't encourage the weak, we encourage the strong. And actually God encourages the weak. He encourages the disfortunate, he encourages the dispossessed, he encourages us when we're in problems. I'm from the town of Hastings, that's my hometown where I grew up. Hastings is known for one thing and one thing alone. Its strapline is popular with tourists since 1066 and it's known for one thing and that is the defeat at Hastings, the Battle of Hastings, 1066, over a thousand, or nearly a thousand, coming on for a thousand years ago. And in the Bayer Tapestry, which is a pictorial representation of it, famously, King Harold... It says in the French, Latin, or the Latin translation, it says, King Harold comforteth, or the word, same Latin word for encouragement, King Harold encourages his troops. And at that point, there's a picture of King Harold with a spear up the backside <laughs> of, of his troops. And he's like, he's putting fortification, he's putting encouragement. He's saying, press on, guys, press into the battle. Don't hold back. Don't shrink back. And we need fortification like that. We need strength that comes to us like that. We need people that even if we're tempted to flee the battle, even if we're tempted to give up, even if we're tempted or we've fallen or we've sinned, actually we have brothers and sisters who encourage us, who fortify us, who don't first of all tell us off, who don't first of all bring the law to us, but actually bring grace to us. Because it's grace that will enable us to change. It's grace that will enable us to stand up and say no to sin next time. It's grace that will fortify us. It's grace that will build us up. The Lord never builds us up. We know we're wrong. We have a conscience. The Spirit of God's witnessing with that. We don't need to be told we're wrong often. We just need to be told God's with us and he's pleased with us and his hand of grace is upon us and he wants to change us and build us up and fortify us in order that we might step out like that little child and not keep falling over but ultimately learn to walk again. I want to encourage you to encourage one another even when we're going through times of weakness. And I want to say, encourage one another as most as you can with the Word of God. This is a wonderful tool of encouragement. Let me give you a couple of verses for that. It says this in Romans 15, verse 4. Everything that was written in the past, everything, was written to teach us that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. If you want to learn how to encourage someone, read the scriptures, read the Psalms, read what prophets say, read what apostles say, read what they write, read what Jesus said. Encourage one another through the scriptures. Titus 1 verse 9, it says this, that he might hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it's been taught. This is talking about leadership, but I think it's true of all of us. He might hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it's been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. We need to speak God's truth to one another. 
We need to help people to see themselves as God sees them and not as they see themselves or as the enemy sees them. We need to help people to see that their circumstances are actually ordained by God, that God's in this difficulty, that God's in this trouble, that God is sovereign over it and will help them. And even as we had that wonderful interpretation this morning that God will give our feet a safe place to stand, he will make a way where there appears no way. He will give us solid ground. His light will be a lamp to our path. He will be doing that in our difficulties and our troubles. And to have faith in God's word. So many times the prophets say, has God not said? How many times does Jesus say that? Paul writes it as well. Has God not said? And then he quotes what God has said. We need to be encouraging one another with the word of God. And lastly, I'll end with this. We need to encourage one another by the way we live. We are a prophetic people. We are a prophetic encouragement. And I want to tell you this, that the world is watching. And it's watching you. It's watching to see that you do walk the walk. It's watching to see that you live out what you say. As Christians, we're known for what we say. The Bible says, and that's wonderful, but actually the world is looking for authenticity. The world has been told a whole load of stuff, but they actually want to see it lived out in practice. Anna and I have been shocked recently in our own little neighbourhood when neighbours have come to us. We live in quite a small little community, a little old farm community of nine properties sort of linked together, little tiny barn properties that are all linked together. And it's quite public. We have a public open space. and People often, our neighbours have come to us and said, oh, we've been watching you. And you go, oh my goodness, they've been watching us. And what a couple of neighbours said to us last year, they said, oh, we've been, you're, you're kind of like this perfect couple. And you think, what? No, we're not. You haven't been watching us when we had a row then, have you? <laughs> you haven't been well. But they, the neighbours are watching. They're looking in. Now, when we invited those same neighbours then to church, they came immediately. And they phoned us up this year and said, when are you going to invite us to the carol service again? It's like, well, I was kind of waiting for the right opportunity. They're waiting to be asked because they're looking, they're watching, they're seeing something authentic. I love Anne has many gifts and many faults, but many gifts, <laughs> lest you think I put her on a pedestal. But one of the things she is, I just want to get into a supermarket, buy something specific and get the heck out of there as quickly as I can. Anne likes to go and look at all the bargains, for first of all. She likes to go hunt around. So just make a list. It's get in, it's get out. It's an operation. It's like, a, it's like the SAS. We get in, we do the job, we get and we run for cover. But Anne, she, she talks to people in the supermarket. And then she really annoys me. I look at, I, it's a game for me. I go, now which is the shortest till? Yeah, which is the line with the shortest people? And I often say to Anne, you queue in that one, I'll queue in this one. And then we'll kind of swap, which is... And she says, no, you don't, you can't do that. Let's just pick this one, that's fine. And she seems to have plenty of time. And then she wants to talk to the cashier. She wants to talk to the person. And she was talking to the other person in one of the supermarkets the other day. And she said, oh, I haven't seen you for some time. Are you okay? And then this woman's opening up about an operation she's had. And Anne said, well, I'm going to be praying for you. And they think, Anne's putting... And Anne said, you're always so smiley. You're always so happy. Thank you for... Anne's encouraging. I think, let's get out of this place. Anne's encouraging her. The world needs encouragement. I make it a point now when I'm staying at a hotel to go to a particular staff member and say, you have served me brilliant this week. Thank you so much for what you've done. You can't believe the attitude that changes on their face because 99 other people have come to them and moaned about something that day. 
Because you never go to a member of staff and say, well done. You go to a member of staff at a hotel and say, my room isn't this. I'm not happy with that. I'm not happy with this. We're a people of encouragement. This is a great evangelistic opportunity for us to live differently in the world, that we should be a people of encouragement. Do you know what I believe? Encouragement and love is our best means of evangelism. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. How does that love seem? It's evidence for encouragement. I want to encourage you to be an encouraging people. Now, to finish off finally, we need to land this. I felt this morning, God showed me there were at least 10 people here this morning that are really facing discouragement. That you really feel, actually, I'm in problems. Actually, I've got some real difficulties to face this week. Maybe a health challenge, maybe a job challenge, maybe a neighbourhood community challenge, maybe a family challenge. I don't know. And it would be wrong of us to preach on encouragement without encouraging you. And what I've just felt God say is the body of Christ should encourage the body of Christ. If you're one of those people, and then 10 may just be like, go for it, Jeremy, there is more than one here. That may be why I'm thinking 10. Or it may be there's 100 people here, I don't know. But it may be that there are some people here specifically who feel discouraged. You feel, even after this weekend, actually, I'm going fa- to face some difficulties. And I feel I lack courage. I feel like I'm not built up inside. I feel actually I need help. You mustn't leave this place without encouragement. You mustn't. We would not serve you. We would rob you if you didn't step forward into encouragement. Now, if that's you, the way we're going to end this meeting, I think if it's okay with you, Rich, um, I'd love to call you forward, and I'd love for members of the body of Christ who love you to just gather around you and encourage you and prophesy over you, because the heart of prophecy is encouragement to build up to encourage, to fortify, to strengthen, and to speak words of encouragement over you. 